The Miami Dolphins boast one of the most impressive two deeps across the defensive line in all of football, but how does it stack up against the opponents the Dolphins are scheduled to face this upcoming season? That is our subject here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023, about a month away from the start of training camp, which means we have a little bit more foundational legwork to do for the Dolphins, and that's what we're doing here throughout the course of this week. We, of course, did Power to the Pod yesterday, which is our weekly mailbag episode, and earlier in the week, we looked at the secondary and the linebackers. We're going to finish the defensive side of the football. There's a lot of conversation around the Dolphins in the defensive tackle spot, particularly nose tackle with Raekwon Davis and currently not another player with any meaningful NFL experience behind him in the true backup nose tackle role. But when you look at the entirety of the defensive line and you understand that Vic Fangio is going to run a lot of nickel and historically that has been a lot of 4-2-5 nickel, which is even fronts and, and not necessarily a true nose tackle in those regards, um, it paints a little bit of a different picture. And the objective of everything that we're doing over this week and next week on the offensive side of the ball is to look at where the Dolphins rank against the opponents that they're playing in 2023 as far as the quality of each dynamic of the roster construction itself. The secondary was amongst the best in the NFL. I would say the linebacker group was an above-average group relative to the opponents that the Dolphins will play this upcoming season. If you look at the schedule, there are 14 opponents, plus the Dolphins themselves is 15. It's almost half the league. And if you take every player in those position rooms and you look at roster cornerstones, who are the best of the best, who are the pieces that you would build your, your roster around, your quality starters, your adequate level starters, your depth, your rookies, uh, your replacement level players, your players who you're kind of waiting to figure out who what they're going to be, that's what we've been doing over on Locked On NFL Scouting. We've been doing all the teams across the league and doing a deep dive on every single team with the objective being understanding the dynamics of the league and the footprint of the league right now makes you a better fan and gives you better perspective on your own individual team. So taking some of that and extrapolating that and discussing it with uh, you here on Locked On Dolphins has, has been a really fun way to kind of build upon that content highly recommend you check out the show so we're looking at the defensive line today and the the methodology for the defensive line is you're looking at the top three interior players and the top three exterior players now some teams will have more impressive depth than others but just to really bake in um kind of the, the the featured pieces, and I know not all teams rotate evenly, right? Some teams, like the Dolphins, played Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins a combined 2,000 snaps last year defensively. Other teams, like the New York Jets, Quinn and Williams, he's playing like 600 snaps a season. 
and he's arguably a better player than what the Dolphins have. So that's that's kind of a there's ebb and flow with the importance of depth. But just looking at the top of these depth charts is the objective of this specific discussion. We're looking at the defensive line. And you know the Dolphins' collection. Your interior trio is very well established. It's Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, and Raekwon Davis. That's your top three. You think about the exterior. It's certainly Bradley Chubb and certainly Jalen Phillips. From a financial standpoint, it's probably Emmanuel Agba. From an opportunity standpoint, it might be Andrew Van Ginkle. But Agba, I, I think, is the player who, when you go even front and you go sub-package rush looks, is probably going to play a little bit more. So, th- therefore, I would go with the, t- the trio of exterior guys being Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, and Emmanuel Agba as your top three plus those three interior guys of Sealer, Wilkins, and Raekwon Davis. Now, how do those guys quantify uh, how I would grade them personally? I think you have two cornerstone players, for sure, in Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins. I think Bradley Chubb has a very strong case to be a cornerstone player, especially when healthy. Now, granted, the Dolphins did not see a great deal of that version of Bradley Chubb after the trade deadline last year. And I respect the fact that he played through everything that he was going through. But uh, ultimately, the Dolphins were hoping to get a version of Bradley Chubb in which he logged all the sacks that he did before the trade deadline as compared to the player that instead was more of a catalyst of, of a more balanced pass rush and allowed other players to win more. But he himself was not making the impact plays. I think Zach Sealer uh, is a step below. And, and that's kind of how I choose to, to look at the top two on both the interior and the exterior is I, I think the top guy is a half step in front of the other guy. So I think Wilkins is a half step in front of Zach Sealer from a quality of play perspective. I think Wilkins is more diverse. I, I think Wilkins is more potent. I think he's got heavier hands. I think his block deconstruction skills are a little bit more consistent where Sealer is a little bit more of a penetration style player. And then I think Jalen Phillips is more flexible, um, more explosive, more fluid than Bradley Chubb. And I think that gives him a, a half step in front of Bradley Chubb as well. So I would say, you know, grading this objectively and, and not trying to give the team every benefit of the doubt that you possibly can, you have Jalen Phillips and Christian Wilkins as roster cornerstones. They are build your units around these kinds of players. Bradley Chubb, fringe roster cornerstone. You have Zach Sealer, who I think is a quality starter. Raekwon Davis, for me, is a fringe adequate level starter slash an adequate depth player. And again, for the sake of not giving too many benefits of the doubt, I will put Raekwon Davis in the quality depth because I do think that you could upgrade over him as a starter, as a true nose tackle. Um, but I don't think the caliber of player that's would be an upgrade is just lying around waiting for the Dolphins to sign him. I think the Dolphins will probably have a challenging time upgrading nose tackle over what they have in Raekwon Davis, but ideally you'd probably have a player who's a little bit more stout, a little bit more compact, and anchors a little bit more consistently. And then Emmanuel Agba, who uh, I would have put this time last year in a quality starter bucket, but I certainly don't think with what he played in the first half of the season before he missed the rest of the year with the triceps injury would have qualified for quality starter grade. 
Uh, I do think there's a certain floor here that you don't go past with Emmanuel Ogba, so I'll put him in an adequate starter. So that gives the Dolphins a cornerstone, a quality starter, and an adequate starter with their three allotted slots on the edge with Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, and Emmanuel Ogba. And on the interior, you have a cornerstone in Christian Wilkins, a quality starter in Zach Sealer, and an adequate depth or a quality depth player uh, in Raekwon Davis, who in short yardage situations, when you run your tight fronts and your odd fronts and you want a true nose tackle leg gap defender out there, I do think he can be that. I think it's just going to be irregular play because of his stature in the surface area that he provides for blockers that are most often going to be underneath of his pads. It's a really good group, but how does it quantify versus what else is out there? That's, that's the whole point of today is to put that level of one through six on the defensive line into perspective. And that is what we are going to do next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. But before we do, why don't you go ahead and take the bat off your shoulder and take some hacks over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. There is no better place to get in on all of the action than FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing. There's no better place to place some bets than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back. Up to $1,000 if your first bet does not hit. I don't know what kind of peace of mind you would possibly like to get yourself into the game than $1,000 in bonus bets back up to that if your first bet does not hit. So do not miss your no, your chance to get that no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. The Dolphins' opponents, I'll go ahead and read them off to you. You, of course, have the AFC East opponents, the Bills, the Jets, and the Patriots, twice apiece. That's six. Right? we got 17 games to cover. You have the NFC East, which is the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Commanders. That gives you 10. And then you have the AFC West, which is the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders. That's 14. You have the other two AFC second-place finishers from last season, a.k.a. Baltimore and Tennessee. And then you have the second-placed NFC South uh, opponent as your oddball non-conference matchup for the bonus 17th game. That this year is the Carolina Panthers. So those are the opponents that the Dolphins will play. How does that six of the Dolphins' defensive line stack up to those? I can tell you this. The class below is robust. And expansive. And I think you can probably look at five teams on this group and say that their quality of the entire one through six has some questions. I start with the Raiders and the Chiefs and the Chargers as the three teams in the West. I'd say the Broncos are probably close as well, but let's let's not put the cart before the horse or the Bronco. And let's do the Raiders first. Uh, here's the Raiders' top six. To put it into summary, or to put it in perspective of what the Dolphins have versus these other teams. The Raiders, Max Crosby, cornerstone player. More accomplished and more potent at rushing the passer than any player the Dolphins have on the roster. They have Chandler Jones, who's also more accomplished, but at this stage in his career, 
I would take Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips over on the edge. And then you have a top 10 pick rookie in Tyree Wilson, who we have no idea what he's going to be. On the interior, their top three are Bilal Nichols, Jerry Tillery, and John Jenkins, who was not amongst the Dolphins' top three last year, but cracks the top three in Las Vegas because the defensive interior is not very good. Bilal Nichols, Jerry Tillery, who's a former first-round pick who flamed out with the Chargers, and John Jenkins, you've got two replacement-level players there. You have a rookie, and then your best interior defensive lineman is a quality death player, which is equal to the Dolphins' third-best interior defensive line. I think Miami wipes the floor with the entirety of that group while acknowledging Max Crosby is the best player out of any of the 12 that you are comparing. Kansas City. George Karloftis, Charles Amenehu, and Mike Dana are their top three edge rushers. And they have a cornerstone in Chris Jones, a very solid nose tackle in Derek Nani, the perfect example of a kind of player that if the Dolphins were going to get a different kind of nose tackle than, than Raekwon Davis, that's the kind of build and body type I would like to see. And then Tershawn Wharton is their third interior defensive lineman. So I think Miami comfortably has a better edge group than this. Amenehu was solid after kind of a quiet start to his career, but um, low, low upside as a sack guy. Mike Dana is a quality depth player, but a rotational guy at best. Karloftis is a second-year player who um, showed some promise, I certainly think. Uh, I, I think Kansas City has very high expectations for him, and they should, and I think he will, will press for them. But as of right now, the proof is you know, your resume is what you says it is. Uh, Chris Jones, better than any of the interior defensive linemen that the Dolphins have. I would put him in front of uh, Christian Wilkins because of his completeness as a player. Uh, but your second in Derek Nottie doesn't pass the sniff test versus the Dolphins' second. And the third in Kershawn Wharton is in the same bucket as Raekwon Davis. So I think Miami's edge group gets them comfortably ahead of the Chiefs, whereas their interior group gets them comfortably ahead of the Raiders. We mentioned the Chargers as well. Uh, this one-two punch of edge rushers is more accomplished and more profound than Miami. You have two cornerstones in Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Very, very, very good players. But your third edge rusher is Morgan Fox. Quality depth type options. So the Dolphins have a little bit of a leg up in who the, the quality of the third player. And I, I don't think the separation between Bosa and Mack is huge versus Phillips and Bradley Chubb. I do think the Chargers pairing is better, though. On the interior, you have two, inc- two quality depth players and an incomplete evaluation. The Chargers' interior front is Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, and Otito Obani versus Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis. So while the edge group, I think the Chargers get the edge, uh, the interior, I think Miami blows the doors off the Chargers, personally. The Ravens are another team that's in this grouping. They lost Calais Campbell this offseason. They have Tyrus, Tyrus Bowser, Odafe Owe, and David Ajabo as their top three edge rushers right now. There's a couple veteran guys that are out there on the market. I think Baltimore would be wise to start knocking the door on, whether that's Yannick Ngakwe, or Justin Houston again, or Jason Pierre-Paul again. We need more. And Ajabo is a second-year player, a pretty exciting player. Uh, Bowser's their most accomplished 
and their most tenured, but I, I think he is an actual pass rusher. He's a little bit more of an appeal as a hybrid type player. I think he's a quality or an adequate level starter. But Owe and Ajabo are incomplete evaluations. And then on the interior, you have Michael Pierce, who is the perfect nose tackle, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Travis Jones is a really exciting second-year player. And then Broderick Washington and or uh, Justin Matabuik are their, their third, and both of those are quality depth players. I think Pierce, uh, the lack of upside in, in the passing game as a true A-gap defender without the versatility to move all over the front, is a quality starter. I'd have a really hard time putting a true nose tackle other than maybe DJ Reader and, and potentially Kenny Clark uh, in the roster cornerstone bucket just because they, their lack of versatility to get outside the A-gap kind of puts a glass ceiling on. I think their impact. Travis Jones, a second-year player, I think he can move around a little bit more. I'm excited to see what he is, but right now he's an incomplete evaluation. And Roderick Washington is... Uh, and or just a matter of week is a quality depth player. So I think Baltimore, uh, their edge group, is it a severe deficiency versus the Dolphins group? Uh, but I do think they they have a, a very promising interior. I think they'll be tough to run on in the inside between Travis Jones and what they have in Michael Pierce as well. Carolina is the other team uh, that I think is in the first tier of Dolphins opponents uh, for the quality of their defensive line. Brian Burns. Derek Brown, their two hallmark players. Uh, they only have one other player besides Burns and, and Derek Brown who qualifies as anything better than a quality depth, and that's Shy Tuttle, the second interior defensive lineman. It's the lack of depth here. Yeter Grossmatos, Marquise Hayes, Shy Tuttle, Deshaun Williams are the two and three on both the edge and the interior. When you compare that to Miami's group, it certainly does not uh, hold water. Uh, the next tier up, uh, I certainly think, is what you would classify as quality defensive lines, but I don't think they are like true assets and strengths of the team. I look at kind of the, the 15 teams, including the Dolphins, in three tiers. There are sufficient tiers, there are quality tiers, and their identity of, the, of that side of the ball, or potential to be identity of that side of the ball, and the event that you also have a secondary that scores extremely well, and there's more than one of those in that top tier. Uh, so it's a couple really good defenses that, spoiler alert, both call the AFC East home. Uh, I think the good group is New England, Dallas, Tennessee, Washington, Denver. I think those teams have impact players, but then they also have uh, a certain level of depth where I think you looked at the teams in the first tier, the adequate tier, and you had a number of roster cornerstones, but you didn't get it in both the inside and the outside. So if I were to start with, let's do this alphabetically is probably the best way to do this. Dallas. Dallas, then Denver. Dallas has Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, two cornerstone players on the edge. Sam Williams is a second-year player who flashed a lot as a height, weight, speed, explosive type. He fell in the draft a little bit because of some off-the-field questions. Uh, that's their trio on the edge. And then their interior group, John Hankins, who's an adequate level starter. Mozzie Smith is a first-round pick in this year's NFL draft, and you don't really know what he is quite yet. And then Oso Digizua uh, as the third guy who is another young player who flashed quite a bit on passing downs. So you've got adequate starters or better in 
your three primary spots of Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and John Hankins. Uh, Mozzie Smith, I think, is is going to come in and, and very quickly have success based off his pre-draft profile, but we don't know that for sure just yet. But I think the the top two in both interior and exterior paints a certain picture of quality that you feel really good about if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Whereas Denver, I think this is a high-floor group. I don't know that this has a high ceiling. I, I would certainly put Dallas's in front of Denver's. Randy Gregory, they've added Frank Clark in free agency in the last couple of weeks, and Baron Browning are their top three edge guys. Gregory was good for them last year when he was on the field. Uh, Frank Clark has had highs and lows, uh, usually turns it on late in the year, uh, at least the last couple of years, but I, I think based on his resume, that is an adequate level starter. Uh, and Baron Browning last year showcased some really high promise uh, with the light bulb coming on, but uh, the, the, that is an incomplete evaluation. Versus the interior, DJ Jones is a quality starter. They signed Zach Allen and free agency to a $15 million a year contract. Zach Allen from Arizona, $15 million a year. That's the risk of doing business in free agency, though, because I think he's an adequate level starter as a B-gap defender. Uh, I, I would say he's not as good as Zach Sealer, and he went on in the open market and got $15 million per season. Very eye-opening number. And then they have a second-year player out of Iowa State, um, Uwazurike is their third interior defensive lineman. So a lot of adequate level starters in the Denver group that I think sets a high floor for who that, that group can be. Uh, let's do New England next. Judon and Christian Barmore are a couple of quality starters. Uh, Judon, I think you can make a reasonable case to be cornerstone. I do, do just think if you're putting him in the bucket of guys like Von Miller and Miles Garrett and Micah Parsons and uh, Daniil Hunter and T.J. Watt and uh, Judon, I, I know the sack numbers were good last year, uh, but I would probably put him a half step below. I'd probably put him right in line with Bradley Chubb, and we put Bradley Chubb for this exercise in an effort to not give the Dolphins every benefit of the doubt in the quality starter bucket. So I'll put Judon in the quality starter bucket as well. Josh is a really good pass rusher. He's not a very good run defender. If you're an incomplete player, um, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I'll put you in an adequate starter given that I think you can play in passing downs and, and the, the league passes 62% of the time or whatever it is. So uh, you'll get more chances to rush the passer. I think he's an adequate starter. And then Dietrich Weiss is kind of the inverse where he's a more high-floor player like an Emmanuel Agba. Uh, I think he's an adequate-level starter as well. So New England, three adequate starter-plus players on the edge. And then Barmore and Lawrence Guy. Uh, Lawrence Guy, I think, not quite as good as he's been in the past. Uh, but still a very good player, uh, adequate level starter. And then Devon Godchow, uh, they're paying a, a very good amount of money to for him to be in that room and, and serve as uh, kind of a consistent presence in the A-gaps and do a lot of dirty work. Last two teams, Washington and uh, Tennessee. Tennessee has cornerstone players in Jeffrey Simmons. They've got two uh, quality starters on the edge in Harold Landry, who they missed last year with injury, and Danico Autry. Uh, Tier Tart is an adequate level starter on the interior. So, you're, again, your top two spots are filled with quality starter or better there. And then Washington, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne is a really, really good one-two punch, and they pair that with, I think, adequate play on the edge, but maybe not what you were hoping for with the draft picks that you spent to get Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Uh, Chase Young, it's kind of do-or-die time. I'd still put them in the incomplete evaluation bucket, but there's a sense of urgency there, or at least there should be.
Uh, Fidari Mathis is the second-year player on the interior, and James Smith-Williams is a quality depth option as the third-edge rusher. So uh, kind of the theme of the bottom tier was you have these uh, really good components either on the edge or in the inside, but you don't have the depth and you don't have it on both spots. I think tier two is we've got multiple spots on both the interior and the exterior that is a certain floor of adequate starter or better. And then the third tier, which is where we find the Dolphins group, uh, is where you have this robustness and you have a lot of depth and you can rotate guys in and out. And that's what we're going to finish with here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. We only covered one team in the AFC East. So you got three teams in the top tier amongst this group of five. I think your other two teams, you have Jets, Dolphins, and Bills in the top tier of defensive lines that have been assembled in this exercise. The other two are NFC East teams, the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. I'll start with the Giants. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari, young players on the edge, both very explosive a lot of speed, a good amount of length. Uh, they're going to be a handful for tackles to handle, especially Thibodeau with how he played as that season wore on last year. Really came on very, very well. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, uh, I think, has a ceiling of a quality starter. Right now, I'd probably put him in an adequate starter bucket. And then Jihad Ward is their uh, third-edge guy, which I think is probably a discount version of Emmanuel Agba ish type player, long arms, heavy hands, that kind of body type. On the inside, though, holy cow, Demarcus Lawrence, A-gap defender, absolute brick house, found pass rush productivity last year. Leonard Williams has been a pass rush menace for the past several seasons on the interior since he was in New York with the Jets. And Ashawn Robinson is the third guy on the inside. This is as stout this is probably the best interior defensive line in football, one through three. Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Ashawn Robinson. That is a, a very stout group to go with some pretty impressive speed on the edge. I'd put Thibodeau and Leonard Williams in quality starter buckets. I'd put Dexter Lawrence in roster cornerstone bucket. Forgive me for forgetting you, Dexter, when I went through nose tackles in the last segment. And then Aziz Ojolari, Ashawn Robinson are adequate level starters in Jakahad Ward is quality depth. It's a tier one out of this exercise of the, the three tiers for the Dolphins and their opponents for 2023. It's a tier one group. Philadelphia, little, they have a lot of depth. Now, I do have a cornerstone player for them in Hassan Reddick. He was phenomenal last year. He was just outstanding. Uh, super explosive. They've got two other quality starter edge players in Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat. They are the only team in the NFL to have assembled three quality starters or better on the edge. So that speaks to their depth. And then they have some youth behind that as well. The interior, it's not quite as impressive. Fletcher Cox is their, their primary player, is an, an aging player. And then they have youth uh, they have a rookie in Jalen Carter and a second-year player who's a top-15 pick in Jordan Davis. We don't really know. Jordan Davis played like 13 snaps per game last year for Philadelphia when he dressed, so he didn't really play a whole lot. So you have kind of this incomplete dynamic on the interior with an aging player in Fletcher Cox, but then you have the deepest edge group in the NFL. 
with what they have in their one through three. So Philadelphia, a very impressive group in their own right. And that just leaves the other three AFC East teams. Uh, the New York Jets, cornerstone player is, is Quinn and Williams. Uh, I would not put any of the other players that they have, John Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson, Jermaine Johnson at this point, Will McDonald is a first-round pick as a rookie, uh, Quentin Jefferson on the interior, Al Woods is a, a low-key nice little in, free agency signing for them as a nose tackle type. Um, I would put Quinton Williams in a class of his own as their cornerstone player. I think Franklin Myers is a little bit more of a low-ceiling pass rusher, but he is a quality starter because he's really good against the, the run, he's really good at the line of scrimmage, and he's a heavy-handed pass rusher. So I would say Quinton Williams is their best player. John Franklin Myers right now is their second best player. Uh, they have adequate starters at both the exterior and the interior with their second player with Quentin Jefferson and Carl Lawson. Jermaine Johnson as a rookie last year, I, I think projects his, his floor this year is probably that of an adequate starter. And then Al Woods is quality depth. So the Jets aren't, in my mind, as impressive as either Philadelphia or the New York Giants, but I still think they have enough combination of youth, depth, and impact play with Franklin Myers and with Quinn and Williams to be in a Tier 1 group. Or I think you compare them to, say, New England, as an example, as another AFC team, and you just had a lot of adequate depth players, but you didn't have a cornerstone player. I think if you put Matthew Judon in that cornerstone bucket, maybe New England's in the same tier. I think from a scoring perspective, they probably just missed the threshold that I'm using to, to kind of divide this group into threes. Buffalo brought everybody back and added Puna Ford and Leonard Williams from last year's defensive line. Think about that. That whole group last year, it's all back, plus Leonard Floyd and Puna Ford. Uh, the Bills are the only team in the league that we have graded that has their one through three on both the exterior and the interior, all adequate starters are better. Von Miller, cornerstone. Greg Rousseau at this point is a quality starter. Uh, really, really impressive. His his development as a player who was super raw coming out of the University of Miami. Leonard Floyd, that late addition, that's an adequate level starter as your third edge guy. And then they have some young guys like Epinesa, um, Shaq Lawson, Boogie Basham. They got a lot of depth on the edge, which they'll need because Miller Von Miller's coming back from a, an injury uh, that ended his season last year. And then on the interior, I think... Buffalo doesn't necessarily have the impact play, but I certainly think they've raised the floor by adding Puna Ford as an adequate level starter as a nose tackle to Daquan Jones, who really helped transform that defensive interior last year. And then Ed Oliver, who just got paid, but is a little bit undersized, and, and I, I would not put him above either Zach Sealer or Christian Wilkins if I were to measure his merit as an NFL player. So Buffalo's got four adequate level starters, a quality starter, and a roster cornerstone with their six spots on the defensive interior. It's a highly graded group. Now Miami, if you want to get into the debate, Buffalo has one, one, and four for cornerstones, quality starters, and adequate starters. Miami has 
two, two, one, and then one as a quality depth. I would say the potential impact of Miami's players and Phillips, you know, you're going to take Von Miller over Jalen Phillips. But I take Bradley Chubb over Greg Rousseau. I take Christian Wilkins over Ed Oliver. I take Zach Sealer over Daquan Jones. There's kind of some give and take back and forth between those two groups. But if you look at the Dolphins and their opponents, I think what does stand out is Miami is again in Tier 1. They were in Tier 1 with the Bills uh, in the secondary. And they're in Tier 1 again with the Bills and a number of other teams. Uh, The Jets also were kind of in that conversation in the secondary. Those three teams also in Tier 1 on the defensive line. So uh, from the defensive side of the football, these the DNA of these teams and these contenders, particularly in this division, all have overlap and mirrors of one another. Uh, so it's going to be things like coaching and the offensive side of the football that, that is going to help push this division one way or another, which we're going to turn the page ourselves over to the offensive side of the ball here in the coming days to discuss where the Dolphins' offense roster-wise stacks up to the rest of their scheduled opponents for 2023. I hope you guys enjoyed. Consider this your formal invitation. If you enjoyed this conversation, you like having back and forths, talking Dolphins football, text Dolphins to 305-419-3924 to text directly with me. Get a hold of me. Tell me what you want to hear on the show. Give me your thoughts on the content that we've gone through here on the show. Again, that's Dolphins to 305-419-3924 to sign up for the Dolphins subtext. Get your first two weeks free. Find out if you like it. If it's for you, great. It's a couple bucks a month. If not, you can cancel at any time in those first two weeks. No questions asked. But that is going to do it for us here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. Appreciate the everydayers who make time out of their day to allow me to be a part of it and talk Dolphins football with all of you. We are out of here. Fins up. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. And I will be back again tomorrow for more Dolphins football. Peace.